Welcome to the Girls on Tour podcast with Mira Manga. Hello and welcome again to the Girls on Tour podcast, the podcast that interviews inspirational and excellent women all about their adventures in transit. This episode is a monumental one for me. Pamela Debar was at the top of my wishlist for this podcast and has been one of my idols ever since I read her book, I'm With the Band, as a very young, impressionable manga. For those of you who don't know, Pamela is the quintessential rock and roll groupie. She shared relations with a slew of stars, including Jim Morrison, Keith Moon and Jimmy Page, to name but a few. Now a successful author with four more books post her debut, she runs creative writing classes and was kind enough to see me when she came to London a couple of weeks ago. After a yummy veggie dinner, the interview was conducted in an Austin Powers-style mini, driven by Pamela's good friend and famous UK astrologer, Geraldine Sullivan. My stars certainly had aligned. I loved my time with Miss P, and I am so happy to share her with you all. After you hear Pamela, you're going to get a wee extra. My pal Gordo happened to be in London this weekend, and we got to talking about when he used to travel on tour with my band, the Dulocs. I jumped at the chance to interview him, to hear what it was like to watch me at my most brilliant and worst when I was a groupie and indulging in them myself. It's excruciatingly honest and oh my god, some of the truths are mortifying. But we laughed a lot, shared some memories and it was very enlightening. I am awkwardly bearing my soul and answering the question publicly that is so often posed to me. That is, Mira, why don't you drink? As Miss P says, it takes bravery to walk into an unknown situation, so please be kind and don't think too badly of me. I was young, stupid and probably pretty drunk most of the time. So I am just in the Austin Powers mobile with Geraldine and Pamela. (laughs) Geraldine is very kindly driving us to um, Pamela's appointment this evening which is, do you want to say a little bit about what you're doing this evening? Yes, it's at the Islington Pub and I'm doing a reading of several of my books and a Q&A with a, the wonderful Allison and then the Q&A is open to the audience. And you do lots and lots of traveling with your books. Uh, so how much traveling do you say you do on average in like a year maybe? Oh my God, I, c- I couldn't even begin to imagine, but many, many cities across America and ter- Toronto. Uh, and, and now I'm doing classes here in London. This, I did my second one here today, my second set of classes. It was wonderful. Yay, and I was just hearing how on one of your very early trips you met your friend here, Geraldine, who you've been friends with since 1971. Actually, I met Geraldine in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. It was in uh, right, right in Hollywood, actually. Lovely. Uh, in 1971. And she was... Uh, with a fellow they're they're both astrologer psychic people and she was with a, a tarot reader named kit right yeah oh. and they were married chuck wine was also living there who was the wizard he's in i write about him a lot in my first book i'm with the band mm. he directed rainbow bridge he directed a film called rainbow bridge with Jimi hendrix and next door to them was this beautiful actor named don johnson <laughs> before a Miami Vice or anything like that. And we we became an item. Yay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lovely. And yes. So one of the things I talk about um, in the Girls on Tour podcast 
is like a lot of uh, people travel to kind of get to what they are really you know their passion they'll travel to get there but you in Hollywood were really well placed because all the <laughs> musicians were coming to you right yes I was incredibly well placed and and the, the right time frame <laughs> as yeah. well because the music was everything to me I mean from the time I was eight years old I was into Elvis and then I went to Dion and then the Beatles of course and the Stones and all that and by that time I wanted to meet everyone the word groupie hadn't existed yet. Yeah. Uh, it was coined for girls like me. It was coined for you, let's, yes. be, for, let's be honest. Well, it was coined for <laughs> girls like me. There were plenty of us trying to meet musicians and wanting to meet them and hanging out with them. And, and then I became a musician, if you can call it that. I sang in an all-girl group called the GTOs, Girls Together Honey, Outrageously. Frank Zappa calls you a musician, you're a musician, right? Well, I sang. I guess that's a musician. Yeah, we sang. Yes. And I played guitar and piano a little bit then and wrote songs and but mainly we were performance artists before the term existed actually. And one of the things that I really love about reading about was you have a very nurturing soul so you would recognize that these groups needed some care and attention on the road so the kind of way that you would look after them what kind of stuff would you do like Well it wasn't just uh Romance. I mean, sometimes we had romances with these beautiful boys with British accents that we went nuts over. And other times, like, for instance, the Jeff Beck group came to town with Rod Stewart singing, and no one had heard of him yet. Yeah. And he, I still have a letter he wrote me saying, may I crash on your floor with my friend Ron Wood. <laughs> <laughs> Pre-faces. Pre but, uh, but we just took them shopping, you know. We yeah. took them to the very first vintage clothing store called the glass farmhouse and uh, got them all suited up and duded up and we would sit and watch soccer with them very very tedious yeah. uh, <laughs> i agree <laughs> and you know just we just hung out with them we befriended them they needed friends so yeah. sometimes we would have relationships with them sometimes we would just hang out other times we would introduce them to other girls we thought they'd like and other musicians in town like keith moon for instance one of my bows from the who mm. And um, he was desperate to meet Jan and Dean, right? He, his favorite music was surf music. Yeah. So I happened to know Dean Torrance, and I got them together, and it was a joyous, joyous occasion. <laughs> so things like that. And, like, Frank Zappa I was, of course, very close with. He mentored the GTOs and produced us, and everyone wanted to meet Frank, and he wanted to meet people. So we would yeah. take various wonderful musicians up to meet him, and it was always a blast. And, um... I really loved the bit where you like you made somebody a shirt and you would help you know repair their clothing and things like this. Yes, I sewed buttons on shirts. I ironed them. I washed them. I would make sure they looked good for the gig. Yeah. Um, when Jimmy Page came off stage, you know he'd be soaking wet <laughs> yeah. in these beautiful chiffon shirts, and I would carefully pack it away and give him the shirt to put on. And Aww. you know, we just just were girlfriends with them, friends, whatever. It was just. Life at that time, that's exactly what was going on in my yeah. life. I was hanging out with musicians. I was a musician. I was in Laurel Canyon, which I called God's Golden Backyard. And, <laughs> and I was in the, the prime place, prime time, prime era, prime music, prime look, prime everything. Yeah. And um, so if you were going on tour or you had friends going on tour, what kind of advice would you give them before setting out? Like any 
tips or tricks or back then back then or even I, now? I didn't I would never you know think I should give anyone advice back then <laughs> you know we were all doing exactly what we wanted to do that's the big difference between then and now yeah people seem to be much more frightened to step into the life they really would love to be living so back then it was more like yeah we've got to do it you know it was yeah. like it was the renaissance it was the spiritual sexual musical every, every kind of renaissance was going on at once it was a revolution really and yeah. i was just in the thick of it but we did you know yeah we'd give each other girlfriendly advice but i would never presume to, yeah, to, to think people. I knew anything at age 19, 20, and 21, you know? Baby. So, yeah. <laughs> um, when, you, when you travel now, um, as you do extensively, is there a product or an item that you always need to travel with? Oh, my God, there's so many. <laughs> Ask Geraldine, how much does my suitcase weigh? Um, I'm, I am very much a girly girl. Yeah. I have many, many, many products that I take with me. And I'm not getting any younger. So I have all these creams and, and, and like hair products and face and body products and, I mean, curling irons and things. I mean, I, I travel very heavy. Yeah. I don't travel light. <laughs> too bad. Well, actually, I, I've seen worse, I'm sure. But, you know, I do. And I, I love jewelry, right? So I yeah. travel with all kinds, you big, like heavy sacks of just, I love to accessorize myself. Yeah. And it started really young. In the GTOs, I wore tons of flowers in my hair, pre-GTOs. Cut fresh flowers and put them in my hair. And I always loved jewelry and rings, as you can see. Yes. I Beautiful. just loved them. This was my, my mom's high school ring. Yeah. And this, uh, my dad made this for my mom. Oh, how lovely. For one of her birthdays, and she gave it to me. What stone is that? It's, it's really, an amethyst. Really gorgeous, um, beautiful purple stone. And he, he dug it out of the ground himself in Mexico. <gasps> wow. And had this beautiful thing made. Um, but my mom gave it to me, I think it was for my 30th birthday, maybe? That's lovely. So you're kind of carrying a little piece of uh, family with you. Yes, you I have my mom and dad on my hand. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I love that. That's, and then that hand can do no evil. <laughs> no, I couldn't do any <laughs> evil anyway. <laughs> of course, no. I don't even know how to do evil. <laughs> you are a force of good. It's true. <laughs> I am. And when you travel now, like, how do you, because obviously, you know, back in the boho days it was all I mean Geraldine was just you were just saying that you were in the commune next door and I love yeah. that expression <laughs> yeah. so you know how do you like to travel now as on your you know because obviously you're working like it's it takes more brain power to do your workshops and your book readings and you know you, you're kind of businesswoman on on the road now yes I am so and how, what is the question the question is so like do you need like to find yourself in a hotel room with like a desk and be organized or are you still like boho and you're well I am a Virgo which means I do have that that sense of order but yeah. no I'm also a hippie lady flower child lady I'll never that's never going to change so yeah. things are slightly messy at all times and uh Sometimes I don't know where certain things are. <laughs> and I dig around in my suitcase to try to locate that thing. And if I can't find that thing, I'll use something else and say, oh, well, um, no problem. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I'm pretty easygoing in every way. Wouldn't you say that, Geraldine? Very easygoing. Yeah, and, and I, I love life, and I've always loved it, and I'm always joyous within. Oh, that's so lovely. I love that expression. And uh, what's your favorite thing about traveling now? The people I meet, the, you know, especially traveling for my writing classes because 
the girls I meet in class, I've never met them before. Yeah. Okay. And by the end of the first three hours, we're all hugging and kissing and, you know, loving on each other. And yeah. And I fall absolutely in love with each one of them without any problem at all, without any doubt. It's just the love is just there the minute they walk through the door because it takes bravery to walk into an unknown situation with some, most of them are fans of mine. And, you know, that's nerve wracking too, to meet someone yeah. that you admire and stuff. Yeah, but by the end of the the class, not only am I connected with them, but they are connected with each other because they're all very kindred spirits who come to my classes. It's not like any other kind of writing class. I also call it groupie therapy. Yes. <laughs> because most of them are groupies and proud of it and, you know, not afraid of the word or have been groupies in their past and they yeah. understand. Oh, I love the music scene. Yeah, the, the music. Whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, the whole music. Thing. Yeah. So you have like connections all around the world now, really? Not all around the world, but in many, many, many cities. Yeah. And one of the girls today is going to create a Facebook page, an international, I call my writers dolls. Yeah. My, my London dolls, my New York dolls, my Austin dolls, whatever. And we all have Facebook pages for these groups, so she's going to combine them all. And I thought that was such a great idea. That I've had that idea a... for a while, but I don't, um, I, I don't have the time and energy to, yeah. to create it. So she's going to do it. So that'll Yay. be a global girls. Yes, the, the, the my amazing. global dolls. <laughs> I love that. Yay! Um, well, I wanted to say thank you so much because we're nearly at the venue now. So thank you so much for your time. You are so welcome, Mira. I hope you enjoyed chatting with me yes and i will put lots of information <laughs> at the end of this podcast just keep listening and i'll tell you where you can catch pamela or buy her books from and yeah i have five books i have five books say the titles i'm with the band the, yeah the original take another little piece of my hearty groupie grows up um let's spend the night together rock bottom and let it bleed how to write a rockin' memoir which is my latest book Amazing. Okay. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 You're listening to Mira Manga and the Girls on Tour podcast. Oh, thank you, Miss P. And now on to something completely different. Me and my old mate Gordo having a wee chat about the time. Well, you'll hear all about the times. So hello, listeners. This is a podcast first, and I'm actually recording my podcast from my flat, She's very lovely. And I'm here with my friend Gordo. Hello. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> and I think we've known each other, it must be like 12 years? Yeah, something like that, 12 years, yeah. A long old time. And we met in London, probably through the posies. Yeah, yeah, it was at a gig at the garage in Highbury. You were introduced to me and knocked my drink out of my hand. <laughs> the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, and I think we we were with an American friend of ours, Taylor, and she just oh, discovered yes. Malibu. Quite as a mouse uh, when she was uh, sober, and then one sip of Malibu and she turned into a monster. Well, it was quite a yes. Malibu monster night. So yes, <laughs> and I obviously now I don't drink for those reasons. Shortly after that, I joined or you know formed the Dulocks with my friend Ma. And we invited you to our first performances, I think. I think it was probably the second one, I think, was the... It was a house party. You were painted blue, I think. Oh, yes. It aliens. was Mars' birthday yeah. party. Mars' yes. evil birthday. And we were yes. dressed as aliens. Correct. And yes. so, uh, basically, we became really good friends. You put up with an amazing amount of shit, drunkenness, debauchery, nightmares... You actually came on tour with us, and I'd say pretty much 
aside from like where we had boyfriends, you probably saw more Dulox gigs than anybody else. Uh, yeah, that's probably true, yes. You also videoed us, so we have a really great archive, archive. of, you know, all our gigs and things. The odd one's missing, I had a burglary and lost a couple of gigs worth. See, they're coming yeah. after your precious yeah. Dulox and, recordings. Yeah. And, and I lost the cork gig in Ireland completely. I don't know what happened to it. The folder's still yeah. there. The folder's still there, but none of the files are there, so I'm wondering <laughs> if you stole them off me. Do you mean <laughs> that's the gig with 50 belly dancers? Yes, yes, the, the belly dancers. Yes, because... Uh, I was in the dressing room with you guys and the belly dancers came in, fully dressed as I thought. Yeah. And Ma said, you might want to leave the room, you know, because they're going to get changed. And I said, no, 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 I think I'll be all right. At which point some huge girl right in front of me bent down yes. and pulled down her pants. And I was like, you saw I'm it getting out of here. Yes. <laughs> Do you remember some of the trips we went on? Yes. Uh, there was the first overseas one. Gordo's looking at me yes. like, what can I say? <laughs> you can be honest. It's I think. The, don't talk about Toulouse. Shit, shit. Yeah. So we have a rule with the Dulocs. We can't talk about Toulouse because that pretty much was the worst. I, d- I don't know how to describe it even. How would you describe what happened? It was, most of it was good. It was just the ending wasn't so great. Yeah. But it calmed down eventually. I mean, you know. Yeah. So, a couple of hours sat in a cold airport with the fog coming oh in, sort God. of sobered people up. and uh, Yeah, so basically what happened in Toulouse is we were hired to play a French boat party and they promised we could stay at someone's house after the performance, but we didn't go on until like one or two and then everyone was so drunk that no one would take us back to this house. No. So I tried to sleep backstage because I was going to have to drive everyone when we arrived back in the UK to and was awakened by a French boy thrusting his crotch into my face and I was like, no thank you Sebastian, non. Um, but then everyone had been doing shots all, pretty much all night. Yeah. So yeah, we don't talk about what happened no. after yeah, that. Yeah, you had the stripping finish dude though. Oh yeah, talk about the, sp- the stripping finish dude. Well, we met him at the house before the before Did the we? Game. I don't yes. remember that. Yeah, he was there and he was already drunk then. <laughs> He was beautiful. Yes. He was hot, wasn't he? Come on, Gordo. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not the one to judge that. But you seem to think so. But he he was very, very drunk, and I think your view was he's so drunk. If he wasn't that drunk, then I probably would be interested. But he's too drunk. If he tried to wake me up, I would have broken (laughs) up. But no. um, But so you really did see... Like, you've known me a long time, so you saw me at my worst. And, you know... A lot of those tours, we got through it by being drunk, really. So what was your experience like? Firstly, what was it that you loved about coming on tour with the Dulocs? And what did you get out of it, is my question. Uh, Well, certainly the overseas trips, it was the seeing the reaction of an audience who'd never seen you before. (laughs) And unlike the English gigs where when you first started, it wasn't, you know... There was a lot of uh, awkward <laughs> moments in a lot of the early gigs. You're going to have to say... Wrong, wrong notes and... Oh, you were, you were saying we were a terrible band. It was like everyone at the front all cheering you and booing at your bad jokes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're going to have to be very you were honest. More, you, were, you were more polished by the time you went overseas. So you, I think, feel like what you're saying is we were shit and... <laughs> And by the time we went abroad... You had a few songs which didn't last further than one gig. Yeah, I think you were correct. about me as well, I believe. I think it was called Gordo's a Perf. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Wise Like the Owl only lasted like one gig. That was a song. 
But um, what did you enjoy about coming with us to be away internationally? Well, the excitement of the audience at the start. I mean, yeah. in Toulouse, I think you were the first English band they'd ever had yeah, play at that true. particular club. All these people who hadn't heard you before just were all like, they were into it. Yeah. I mean, they might have all been drunk, that might have helped, but they were all into it and really enjoying it. And Yeah. You are quite a, a chilled out guy. I mean, you kind of witness a lot of arguments and fights and dramatic moments. So what's it yeah. like kind of being that person in the background when that's all happening? Uh, it's trying not to say or do the wrong thing. I think certainly when there was the argument at the airport on the way back from Toulouse, yeah. it was you were concerned that I possibly didn't help you as much as I could have done with Certain, one member of the yeah. band. But it was more I was more concerned with getting the other member of the band who wasn't involved, who wanted to get involved in the argument, yeah. saying, no, it's not the time and place. Yeah. It's only going to make it worse. Wait until everyone's sobered up yes. and then talk rationally about it. It's hard to be thrown into yes. the middle of a dysfunctional event. Being diplomatic and uh, yeah, the awkwardness of being mistaken for your manager that happened more than that once. happened all the time yes. but that was great. I don't know whether it was because I was older than you and... Well, it, maybe, no, no, it's a, maybe they thought I was too old to be hanging around with these young, scantily dressed women, or maybe it was just because I was a man and they were being sexist and let, just assuming. Let me that... tell you, hundred percent, it was yeah. because we were a girl band and you were a man. Yeah. So you know, having worked in the music industry most of my adult life, that it would have been it. Yeah. So, and obviously, you were a fan of our music, even yeah. when we were terrible. And yes. where does that come from? Uh, well, it was fun. It was funny, you know. Yeah. It was funny between the songs. It was like, even if the song had gone really badly, you always had a way of just pulling it back from the edge and keeping the, most of the audience on side. You kept most of them there. I only remember one gig where anyone booed. What we got gig was that? That was might have been your birthday gig. You addressed as, I don't know if it was Stephen Tyler or... Oh, my God, yes. I was dressed as Steve Tyler. Yes. Mar was dressed as what's-his-name from Kiss... She had the Ace Freely star yes. over his over her eye. Yes. And um, oh my god, that was yes. really awful because I remember that there was a guy there that I fancied, yeah. and he had said to me on no uncertain terms, "I don't want to see you anymore," but I still like tried to kiss him and stuff. Yeah. And he said, "Mira, you're a social outrage. You're giving me an erection, and I'm wearing leggings." <laughs> 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 yes. Do you remember? Yes, I do remember that. <laughs> what happened? Because I, that was a mostly a home crowd. Yeah, I think, I, think, the, I think there was someone who started heckling quite early on, and I think yeah. uh, you or Ma gave a bit back to him and yeah. basically said, if you don't like it, fuck off, or yeah. something like that. And he wasn't, he just kept on shouting stuff. But the thing is, eventually we used to get rid of the haters, wouldn't we? Yeah. We were just relentless. Yes. But I remember we had a really awkward moment. We played the Lock Tavern. And this guy tried to seize the microphone from me. And oh, yeah. he was a huge Viking and I was just holding onto the <laughs> microphone and I couldn't get it back. And I remember you saying to me, uh, Ma was saying, oh, I'm saying Booerns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they weren't booing, they were saying Booerns. Booerns. Yes. And we went to Paris. You came to Paris, yes, didn't you? Yes, the second night of Paris. By the time I arrived, you were all hungover from the first night. Yeah. What was that club called? Le Paris Paris. Was that was the one with the big Mickey Mouse with the massive willy in the doorway? Yes, yes. Yeah. There's a picture of you and Ma... Looking shocked. <laughs> I think Amina refused to be involved in any photo. Yeah, we've her. never seen Mickey Mouse looking like that. Um, <laughs> so they looked happy to see you guys. 
Yes. And all those models hanging around backstage. Oh, I mean, we took you into some crazy situations. Yeah. So we had that photo shoot with this guy, Jérémy. Yeah. <laughs> and stuff like that. It was good. And um, obviously, one of the questions that I get asked a lot, now that I'm an older stateswoman and a Renaissance woman, people say to me all the time, why don't you drink? And I try and explain to them... It's good. It's better for you and me and my relationships with in life if I don't drink. So could you explain the difference as in someone who's known me then and now? Like why, you know? Uh, I think sober, you're less likely to do crazy things or chase after a man who is... <laughs> I mean, there was plenty of men who were interested when you were chasing after but there were some men, believe it or not, who weren't interested. <laughs> oh, and, <no. laughs> and you were just relentless. You wouldn't give up. I know, right? There was uh, the guy in... There was a guy in Toulouse. So I don't imagine Toulouse. And you just pestered and pestered him. He's like, no, no, he's pushing you off. Was... And in the end, it was like, oh, all right. <laughs> who was that? Was that the Finnish guy? No, no. it was. I think it was the guy who was actually running the whole thing. I think what you're right. I think I flirted relentlessly with Sebastian and he was like, no, no, no. Then I fell asleep backstage. Yeah. Then he decided, <laughs> oh, yeah, OK, then. But then I'd sobered up and I was like, fuck off, mate. <laughs> but that's dreadful. I mean, I was very relentless in my pursuit of men yeah. when I was in a band. And a big reason for me starting my band was probably, if I'm very honest, is a way to kind of meet certain guys. Yeah. I do remember when you did the show supporting Frank Sidebottom. Do you remember that announcement you made on the stage? Oh, God. Where you announced that you were looking for a man for the night. <laughs> and if there was anyone in the audience to make it known to you, was, well, there was two provisos. One, he had to buy the condoms to show that he wasn't tight. And secondly, he had to help you hold, carry the equipment back to the car to prove that he was strong enough. <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing, but I'm dying inside right now. As it I'm was, most of the audience being Frank Sidebottom fans were middle-aged and <laughs> they were past it, too past it. I mean, I am absolutely dying of embarrassment now, but what Gordo <laughs> is saying is true. And I remember I would be very drunk, I'd go on stage, I'd be boyfriendless and very lonely and desperate, as was my uh, kind of modus operandi, and I would spot someone in the crowd and just say, what's your name? I'm yes. seeing you later, I'm taking yeah. you home later. And... You know, being a young woman dressed in next to nearly nothing, generally that was fine. Yeah. I mean, psychologically and emotionally, <laughs> yes. no, not correct. Um, Who was that one from the old blue last whose hair you liked? You were what? ruffling his oh hair. Oh, my God. So I'd... that guy, basically, I dated him. Yeah. And he told me he was 19. Yeah. Uh, but it turned out that he was not 19. No. And... How I found out was that we were all going to a club and I invited him. And yeah. he was a very beautiful model, Ash, and we hung out. We went to Hyde Park and we had some really nice dates. And I was like, oh my God, he's adorable. And I wasn't too old for it to be dodgy with a 19-year-old at that stage. No. But we went to a club and he saw they were IDing and he just said, oh, no, no, I, I, my mum's just called. I've got to go back home. Yeah. Which should have been a red flag. And then... The other thing I didn't realise was that we got together and had a, a really horrendous... Because I really liked him and I thought we'd have a yeah. really romantic first night together. Yeah. And it was awful. It was so bad. He ended up like, everything went wrong. It didn't yeah. work. It didn't happen. Because I was like, oh my God, like what's happening? 
and I was drunk as usual. Yeah. And I remember to cheer me up, he put a condom over his head and blew it off. Yes, yes. You don't no, say yes no, like you were no, there. No, 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 you told me this story because I, <laughs> I was telling us at your birthday party to people saying this is one of the stories I won't be able to tell when the audience is there. Yeah, <laughs> and he told me years later I had never done it with a woman before. And I thought that was really, that was awful. It made me feel yeah. so bad because he was, I think he was 17. Yeah. And he was just acting a lot older. And I mean, if I hadn't been drunk all the time. Yeah. Probably would have spotted that before. Yes. yes. But didn't you tell me he tried to then use the same condom that he'd put over his head? I think, we do, I don't remember that anymore, no. <laughs> I, uh, I cannot neither confirm or deny. Uh, but let's hope he never listens to this podcast. <laughs> So, I mean, obviously... I'm sure he's moved on since. He's probably mature and a man of the world now. I, and he yeah. probably laughs fondly when he, he remembers it. He probably laughs, full stop. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but I loved them all. Yeah. I mean, that was the issue, wasn't it, really? Yeah. And the moment that I found a boy and I... we th- Well, I hurled myself in their direction. Yeah. I then wanted the fairy tale. Yeah. So that must have been hard for you because you had to... I remember... Um, I had a really serious bad breakup with someone I'd fallen in love with who was not available. And you came to look after me because I was just completely broken. And I remember Ma walking back to her house and she saw the two of us sat on these steps. Oh, yes. And she said, what, what the fuck? She was like, what the fuck's happened? What the fuck's happened? She, and she said, she described that as when she looked at the two of us. <laughs> we looked as if someone had died. Yeah. Because I was completely broken and you just didn't know what to do with me. No. I mean, you were a great friend and you watched me bulldoze myself into these situations. How was that for you? Because I'm pretty sure you must have warned me. Or, But I'm, I'm generally a, a cautious person, so I was like, it'll never work out. Don't, yeah. you know, don't, it's like, but it'd be with every boy you were interested. Oh, that'll never work. It'll I never know. work. And then, of course, and, I... And the, and the thing is, because most relationships don't work out. You yeah. Know, until you find the right person. I mean, mm-hmm. They never work out. It's like... I knew I'd most of the time I'd be right. I didn't necessarily know I was definitely going to be right, but yeah. it was like just that's a bit. Don't you think you're just pushing yourself a bit too far with that? And I, I never listened. And then of right. course, when but, you kept saying it and you were right, rather than thinking Gordo keeps saying this and he's right, I would think Gordo just says that all the time because in my twisted brain, well, uh, yeah, it, it, maybe it is a little bit like that because I say because most relationships fail, then the odds are. It is going to fail. Especially like, if it's t- a t- drunken yeah. rampage. Yeah, if, if you're both very drunk at the time. Yeah. Then, you know, it's... Not usually, the basis. It's usually not the basis. Sometimes it does, but yeah. by accident, not by design. Yeah. So did we put you through, like, some trauma, would you say? Um, at times, but, you know... There was Notice always, how I say we and was, not, yeah, like, me. Yeah. <laughs> If it was always a great adventure, it was like, what's going to happen next? Even you know, you know, good or bad, it was excitement, you know, drama. It's like, yeah, you don't want the bad things, but no. And because we were in a band, there were loads of things like parties. Would Ma, who was our drummer, yeah, she knows everybody in Canada and England, and she would have parties, yeah. And it felt like we were really. I wouldn't say we were part of a movement because there was only our band, but certainly there was the a really... Eric movement. The Eric. Electro, indie, comedy, rock. Slightly felt right. I know. <laughs> Dyslexic. Dyslexic Eric. Yes. Um, but there were, you know, it was a big gang of us and it was... Yeah. It was all There good. was a uh, good group and 
people like Fong and Zara and... Yeah, uh, some of whom we're going to see tonight, which is lovely. Yep, Amy. Yeah, Amy Liptrot, who yeah. is a fucking superstar writer now. Um, I mean, all the people that we were hanging out with back then yeah. were very creative and... Yeah either performers or writers yeah. or, you know, fashion designers or hairdressers, you know, creating this amazing yeah. art, art. So yeah. I felt like I was a spectator because I'm not, don't see myself as a creative person. I've never written a song. I've never written a poem. I can hold a camera and point it at things. Well, that that's really interesting to me because you have documented not only the Dulocs, but you film quite a lot of the bands that you see. Yeah, I mean, I tend to film things if no one else is filming it. Yeah. There's no point filming it if there's ten other people at the front, all with their cameras there, yeah. taking it all very seriously. And I would call you like a devoted disciple because you follow your favourite football team, yeah. which is... Tramway Rovers. And you have been known to travel. I mean, when we first got into the Posies, I saw you at every Posies gig. Yeah. And... With the Dulocs, you supported us like so much with photography and filming and coming to all the shows. So what is it about following and being a groupie or being devoted to your favourite <laughs> things? Can we call you a groupie? Uh, in a way, <laughs> well, you're I mean, a it's, it's, groupie, it's, Gordo. Never got any action as a groupie. You know? <laughs> but, so. but, but, but maybe what you get out from it is not... Yeah. No, it's like you, you, you meet all these people, some crazy... Like okay, yourself. he said, some, looking at me. <laughs> some, some, some not so crazy. I yeah. mean, on my last trip overseas to Norway, I ended up being invited to a wedding. Yes. Within a few hours of arriving there. And that was exciting. Yeah. And so you're kind of creating fun. these adventures by following the bands yeah. that you love. And I was like, occasionally meeting the musicians. So it's not the be all and end all hanging out with musicians. I knew from hanging out with the Dulocs and <laughs> the, the musical friends that you had that, you know, <laughs> musicians are normal people sometimes yeah and they have the same faults and flaws as everyone else and i'm afraid so yeah it's true <laughs> and while some people go to see a band and they want to hang out with a singer band in the face of peter book or whoever yeah. i'm just happy just to stand on the edges just you know watching chatting to the people other people there and we're so happy to have you there it's yes. been it's really lovely and if you have a gourd out your gig it means you're a fucking good band so yeah <laughs> note that so uh, what was your favorite Gilox gig that you remember do you have one? Oh, blimey uh Cork was good. You know? Cork, the one, the one with no documentation. The one with no documentation. There's one video on... There's a couple of videos, I think, on YouTube yeah. that got loaded up before, including one backstage of you rehearsing oh, I think, really? Star Trail with Oliver. I really struggle to look at old Duloc stuff now. And it it was just you and Oliver and just quickly going through the songs. Yes. And things. We had um, an amazing boy Duloc, Oliver, who stood in. And he had a rough time because he came into a very rough dynamic yeah. but he was amazing he just picked up keys when you know abby or amina couldn't make it yeah so that was pretty cool yeah, and was... did you have a favorite duloc song well star trail's the obvious one I yes <laughs> oh my god the best song i have ever written and will ever write it was like when you sent me the demo version of that i don't know if you'd record performed it live at that no, point I you hadn't. might not have done you sent me that it's like what do you think that's the best thing you've ever done. I know, yeah, and I had the same realisation. And that, ironically, was written about one of these unavailable men, yeah. and he was in LA at the time, and I was in the UK, yeah. and I'd messed up my relationship in London because of that guy. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, that really was a song written from my 
desperation. But great song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. fantastic song. And what was I like the pirate one. Yo-ho-ho. Oh, ho. When, yo, I, ho, fir- ho. when you were being filmed for that ITV website documentary thing. Oh, web were, lives, yeah. Yeah. And there was a clip in it where I think you were trying to write the song or something. And I thought, well, that doesn't sound very good. But then yeah. you did it live and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. can see what's in it now. And the clip on YouTube is half rehearsal in Cork on oh. stage at Soundcheck. And the other half is some motherfucker on New Year's Eve gig that you did. Oh, my God. And I just join the two together well if we can find that video we'll put it up in the links because that was fun yeah i really miss i do miss singing and songwriting i feel like i was able to write catchy songs yeah that's all i wanted to do actually that new year's eve one at club motherfucker that was memorable that one because of uh, i don't remember it more's drum breaking and you doing that dance (laughs) (laughs) oliver playing some music whilst you does try to do your moonwalk (laughs) so i learned to moonwalk in the dulocks and then you could not stop me moonwalking like the time in the supermarket in toulouse where you did it into (laughs) the stack of cans (laughs) i mean uh, the other thing i wanted to ask do you remember me being very sober during any of that time um most of the gigs no occasionally Yes, there was times where you were driving, so... I must have been. You were the yeah, I wouldn't have d- drunk no. and driven. No, you were, uh, no, you were sober some of the time, but you, you could still be crazy whilst you were sober. Yeah, yeah. well, that's it why was, I don't need you, to drink you, now, you were, right? You were more in control of it. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you were more likely to know when, right, that's as far as I can take this before, you know, this could be a problem. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'm, I'm a much nicer person now I don't drink, I think. Yeah. And I let my conscience guide me now. Yeah. Which is probably a fucking good plan in life, just yeah. to let your conscience guide you. Um, and I, I don't know why, but I've, I wanted to ask you, what is the worst thing that you thought that I did during the <laughs> Dulocks and what is the best thing? But obviously, let's not name any names. <laughs> let's not talk about anything that's pending court. <laughs> uh... I just need... I, I, I seem to recall it wasn't a Dulox gig. We were actually at a house party gig. Yeah. And uh, you'd been told by one one of the people hosting the party under no circumstances were you to try it on with any of the musicians. Which was okay. like a red rag to a ball to you. <laughs> it was like you were determined, right? Duh! <laughs> and you mean there's someone I shouldn't get with here? Yeah. Where are they? And you were, you were pursuing this guy, I won't name him, relentlessly. It was like, no... Mira, he's happily married. He's you know, he, oh he, he's happily married. He's not you know that sort of musician. He was like a singer songwriter, quite worthy and quite you know, oh, fucking quite, quite humble. And you were just <laughs> Jason. I was going, no, Mira, stop oh it. My God, and I you mean... were going, God, stop being a cockblock. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're laughing again, but I'm mortified. I'm dying inside. But you were furious with me for, for saying, no, you, you shouldn't be doing this. Well, thank like... you so much on public record for yeah. trying to rein me in, because it was probably well, like trying to rein in a Tasmanian devil. Yeah, it probably, it probably didn't do much good. I mean, you did give up eventually, but that was when you finally got the message from him that he was yes. categorically not interested I in think you whatsoever. a stern lecture, probably. Yes. <laughs> okay, so, that, and you know what, like... Mm. Thank God that I had friends around me who would try and restrain me. Uh, yes. So, yeah, I was just pretty... I mean, you can't blame it all on the alcohol. I was a pretty bad person back then. 
It was largely largely alcohol. That was the point, you know, that was where there was no control over it. No. I mean, sometimes I think when you're head over heels in love with this person or that person, then yeah. it wasn't alcohol, it was just love. And, you know, that's just... You know, that was bad enough. That's, that's, that, <laughs> that's the way that people... A lot of people do behave, you know, yeah. maybe they don't do it as publicly because they're not singers in bands and don't have lots of people around them and when they're doing it. And don't write songs about them. Well, there's that as well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you want to you... keep it quiet, don't write a song about no. it. That's Good my tip. advice to you. Bloody great tip. And the other question, what was the best thing that you thought I did? Oh, my favourite thing that you ever did, other than writing Star Trail, yeah. was... Getting that gig with Frank Sidebottom. Oh, Frank Sidebottom. And it was like wonderful because I loved Frank Sidebottom and I hadn't seen him live since I was a student in the early 90s. And yeah. It's like you were on the same bill as him. It was like, yes, it was, that was just so good, you know? Yeah. And you were funny and as. I mean, you did that request to the audience for a man or whatever, but I think it was partially for comedy effect as well. Yeah, of and course, pe- it was pe- a comedy. Pe- that pe- was people it was. were laughing anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it was Amina's first public live show. Yeah, and... she did so fucking good as well. Oh, yeah, she was still 16. She then. brought musicianship to yes. the <laughs> yes. I mean, Alice was good, but Amina yeah. was classically trained on like yeah. instruments and passionate. You could write a song she could play the music yeah and she was, and she was into the band it. which was yeah. good so yeah we and also through the frank sidebottom connection also i now work with rodri marsden yeah who is a fucking musical genius and that was another connection for me and him yeah because he and rob from dream themes were in frank's band yeah and that's where dream themes comes from which was lovely yeah so I say that's when I realised they have made it. I mean, the radio one session, you know, <laughs> that was, was fun with that, Hugh that, Williams, that, yeah. Hugh Stevens. Hugh Stevens. <sighs> Who's Hugh Williams? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Check the list. Yeah. Oh well, this has been so amazing. Thank you for having a chat with me. And I have one last question. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I was to start another band, would you come on tour with us? Um. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd, 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 I'd give it a go. <laughs> oh, it's very kind of you, considering what we've been through. But, um, yeah, thank you so much, Gordo, for being on the Girls on Tour podcast. <laughs> thank you for having me. My pleasure. Okay, bye. Bye. Okay, so that happened. Yep, all of that happened. I am grateful to have come out alive and moderately unscathed to share my stories with you. Next week is a drag extravaganza. I will be interviewing the truly outrageous Willem, who you may have caught being disqualified from RuPaul's Drag Race. I also talked to the fabulous Meth from here in Little Old London. She is a powerhouse in drag promotion and a phenomenal performer. Don't miss out. I will tentatively suggest this week that if you have any questions or suggestions, you can email me at girlsontourpodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you, but I'm feeling spectacularly vulnerable this time after all my confessions, so please be nice. My thanks to Bill at Radio Paradise, Rodri, my maestro, Abby, our artist, and also ex-fellow Duloc, hopefully soon to appear on this podcast. Uh, And finally, Charlie Moores, who upgrades this podcast from the stalls to the backstage areas. Thanks for the golden circle and the meets and greets, Charlie. And until next time, may you always be joyous within and happy trails.